Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide have you heard about the social media platform for kids it's called zikazoo it's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to tonight's classic episode and congratulations to any of our fellow conspiracy realists who exercised their ESP to predict what episode was coming next. You know who you are, you extra <laughs> sexy people. Perhaps you can also help law enforcement solve a crime. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was being silly. We, you are all very good looking, but uh, yeah, it's true. Law enforcement in the past surprisingly has employed folks uh, claiming to have the powers to see other things that are outside of their physical purview. Uh, we also know about situations where folks have been trained by the government to use this stuff for spying. Pretty cool. Yeah. I remember we made this episode in June of 2018, and we had just before this couple of months put out Atlanta Monster. And Ben, the show talked to you specifically about psychics and solving crimes. Because in the Atlanta Missing and Murdered case, they brought on psychics, or rather, psychics attempted to assist in locating several people, right? People who self identify as psychics. Maybe let's put it that way. Uh, this is so this is uh, a blast from the past uh, or a blast from the future or, you know, all things exist at one point in uh, and linear time is a myth. Whatever. We want to hear your thoughts. Have any psychics solved crime? From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on adventures today. 
Yes, they call me Ben, but most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. We just got the green light from our super producer, Paul Mission Control Decant. It is bright today, too, Paul. Jeez. It is. It must be one of those new LED bulbs. I think that's what it is. But you know, I, I seem to recall that one of us anticipated this, Matt. Maybe even predicted it. Oh. Yes. Was you, it Was it you? Uh, it might have been, but you and I have made many predictions on the show, right? And earlier, you predicted that today's episode would be a success. Yes. And I have, not vague, not vague at not, all. Not 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 vague at all. Now I have a I have a, a strange inkling that someone who is listening to the show today is either near or not near a body of water. Whoa. They're either I, I, either their their name has the letter E in it, or they know someone who does. Oh my gosh! I know, spooky, right? Oh wait, I'm sensing something. All right, there's a dog barking. I can hear the. Yep, yep, somewhere, somewhere. It's a. It sounds like a small breed. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Uh, just be careful mm-hmm. if you can hear that dog. I'm seeing a plane or some sort of uh, uh, a sky. Yeah, like a pressurized <laughs> mm-hmm. air. Yeah, I can feel the pressure, the air pressure. I think it either was a Tuesday or will be in the future <laughs> or may even be right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wow, we are starting this off on a little bit of a, let's say a, a little bit of a glib note. You just cast a net, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Today, folks, we are tackling something many of you have asked us about via email, um, YouTube comments back in the day, and uh, of course, through social media, and that is the nature of a psychic detective. Ultimately, the question is, have psychics actually solved crimes? And we've come across several of these types of psychics, mm-hmm. right, Yeah, Th- that have looked into crimes, psychics that have been involved with the law in mm-hmm. some way or another, mm-hmm. been in court, in fact. But what we've never delved deeply into the United States history of psychics, well, and, and outside of the United States as well. And so, to be absolutely clear, this is a true crime episode. Oh, yes. And that's really hot right now. <laughs> so we just kind of roll with it. Yes. Uh, old friend, again, mastermind of uh, Atlanta Monster. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Everything. I did everything on that show. Yes. Yeah. That's not true. That's you should, not true you at all, see, but thanks. You should see, Matt. Matt, you are so humble and modest. Uh, Matt was shaking his head in a what are you doing to me, Ben, sort of fashion. Yes. So let's let's talk about the, <laughs> these old United States, the red, white, and blue. We've, yeah. We got a bit of a problem when it comes to – um, people doing things that are against the law. Absolutely. Absolutely. The U.S. inarguably has a problem with crime. And on an even more disturbing level, not only do we have a problem with crime, but we have a tremendous problem with solving crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, only about half of the violent crimes that take place in the U.S. and only about a third of property crimes that occur in the U.S. each year are even reported to police. So that's not a ding on law enforcement. They can't do anything if they don't know what's what's happening. Yeah, that is an an intense 
statistic, just knowing that there's that much crime occurring in, in this huge country that that the police don't even know about. Right. And, wow. Yeah, and there there can be any number of reasons that people would not report a crime. Maybe they don't want to be implicated or they have some some sort of sketchiness in their past, right? Well, yeah, or if you take it to recent issues, perhaps they might have a problem with immigration if they were that's to a report point. a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a very intense issue if you know something bad has happened to you. But if you do report it, you're probably gone from this country. Right. And there, there are many reasons that are similar to this and often very tragic. For instance, in cases of domestic violence mm-hmm. or something, uh, something where someone in your family or even a, a loved one or a spouse or – a significant other has done something violent to you or someone you know, but you don't want them to go to jail. The, these are only some of the causes for a lack of reporting crime. But let's look at the crimes that are reported. Most of the crimes that are reported in the U.S. do not result in the arrest, charging, and prosecution of a suspect, and that's according to government stats, right? According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, in 2015 – now, that's just the most recent year that we had statistics for. uh, In 2015, 47 percent of the violent crimes and 35 percent of the property crimes tracked by that uh, that group were reported to police. So that is – uh, well less than half, especially violent crimes, 35 percent. Right. This is simply the reality of the situation. It does not matter if you are an ardent supporter of law enforcement in the U.S. or in your home country, whatever your neck of the global woods may be. And it does not matter if you are a committed anarchist who believes that we should just burn this house of cards down. As experts work around the clock, at least in theory, Mm. uh, to solve these various crimes and these unexplained disappearances, they use every possible resource legally available to close the case. Or in examples uh, that we've seen in fiction, such as The Wire, uh, sometimes illegal methods. Yeah, exactly. Well, because there are a lot of problems that they run into when you're dealing with a disappearance. There may be neighbors that did actually see something that you Mm -hmm. could have a viable witness that don't want to speak to the police for other various reasons, right? I mean, we we can go into all those, but but let's just spend a moment on the disappearances themselves. Mm. There there are as many as 100,000 active missing persons cases in the United States at any given time. Yes. 100,000. At any given moment. It does not matter if you are listening to this podcast in 2019, 2043, any given moment since we started counting, of the 692,944 people reported missing in 2010, for instance, 531,928 were under the age of 18. These are kids, too. Oh, my God. That is an awful statistic. And – we have more information regarding this statistic. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, according to the National Crime Information Center, that's the NCIC, 355,243 women were reported missing in 2010 compared, compared to 337,660 men. So not that much of a, di- a difference, but mm-hmm. more women going missing here in 2010. And either way, even if we put – 
gender divisions or how people identify aside, we're still looking at hundreds of thousands of people. And when we talk about missing persons, we need to immediately bust some myths, some missing person myths. Mm -hmm. That was oddly hard to say, Matt. First things first, you do not have to wait 24 hours to report a missing person. That is one of the most dangerous misconceptions. Yeah. And second, you, if you are an adult, can choose to go missing. Can, you, you can uh, report somebody who doesn't want to be found, but it's within their legal right in most cases in general to ghost if they wish. Wow. Unless, you know, doing that also violates a law, such as jumping bail. Oh, sure. And not to mention maybe the bill collectors. <laughs> right, Because right. you're probably paying somebody something on a monthly basis. Sure, statistically that's true. And again, this is just the U.S., so let us mm -hmm. know how laws work in your country. It may affect uh, your experience with this topic we're exploring today. In the United States, however, many of the people who are reported missing are found within a few days. Unfortunately, many other people will either not be found alive or, in some cases, not be found at all. And there really is a ticking clock situation here. When, when someone goes missing, every passing moment lessens that likelihood of their safe recovery. You've heard that 48 hours, that two days that we just mentioned before, is the most crucial time to find a missing person. And it, it really is. Yeah. And it has, uh, there are a lot of factors there too. It has to do with police being able to put their resources into a case. Sure. I mean, you know, what could happen to you within 48 hours? There's just all kinds of factors there. Racism and prejudice play an enormous role in this, uh, either systemic on the institutional level where for some uh, reason of racism or prejudice, a police precinct is not given the resources it needs mm -hmm. to address crime uh, or individual matters of prejudice where people say, oh, you know, people like that fall off the grid all the time. He's probably just – on uh, heroin or, or yeah. quaaludes or something, and he'll come to eventually, they'll show up. Yeah, that's a real factor. And just that the fact that there are all these people going missing mm -hmm. every year, moment to moment, then all the other violent crimes, all of the nonviolent crimes that have to be investigated, and you, you think about the resource problem and it just becomes overwhelming. And then let's also factor in something that will become very, very important to today's episode, media coverage. Oh, this is huge, yeah. So if a if a prominent person goes missing, say a uh, someone who is the child of a very important politician or a very wealthy family, or if a celebrity goes missing or something, a public mm -hmm. figure, then the media will latch on, and this means that a national spotlight is suddenly put on the police department. It's like the Patty Hearst case, right? Yeah, that's a great example. It's no surprise then that in some cases, perhaps more cases than you might assume, police have employed unorthodox methods in their search for missing persons or their quest to solve a crime. Here are the facts. Friends, neighbors, you have probably heard apocryphal tales of a police department at its wit's end finally resorting to something that sounds like it's straight out of a fantasy novel or an episode of The Twilight Zone, <laughs> the original series, the good one. And that's an official law enforcement organization 
actually contacting self-proclaimed psychics for assistance with a case. Yes, this is a very real thing. And it comes about in roughly two ways. The first one is the the psychic. This is the majority of the cases, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. where they, you hear about this. The psychic themselves, like, contacts the police and says, hey, I heard about this thing in the news. I need to tell you. I need to talk to you about what I think I've found. Or let me help you at least. Right, right. And this this is huge. So when a case receives, especially if it receives national attention, mm-hmm. right, from a syndicated news source, thousands of calls can roll into the precinct. And of those thousands of calls, you'd be surprised how many of them are calls from people claiming that through some extrasensory ability, right, mm-hmm. through some some sort of extrasensory perception – A dream or a vision or something. Yeah, exactly. A dream or a vision. They have received something that could help with the case. And many of the other calls are going to be people who are, say, reporting a suspicious person. Mm -hmm. Like in America's Most Wanted, they say this person is so-and-so build. Here's a sketch or here's a photo. And then, you know, they're inundated with calls because someone – you know, in like Ham Lake, Minnesota or something, which is a real place, thought that they saw a a roughly six-foot-one guy with a beard and a hoodie, and that matched the description, right? Yep. But we're focusing on the psychics, and the majority of cases, as you said, Matt, are going to be someone who believes they have psychic abilities contacting the investigating authorities with the best of intentions. Yeah, I can help you. Yeah. I, I believe that I found this and I want to tell you about it. And we want to say this at the front. Most of these calls are from people who genuinely believe they're doing the right thing. Are there hoaxes? Yes, of course, sure. Are there charlatans? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But not all of these people are in any way. Right. At least not not. Purposely so. Yes. And the second method, and this is far less frequent and far more interesting, would be when members of law enforcement may reach out unofficially to a psychic. This happens way less often than works of fiction which have you believe. And often when it does happen, there's a very strange convoluted series of events that occurs, we will see maybe family members of the missing person themselves reach out to a psychic, Mm -hmm. and then they act as the middle ground, right, the connecting tissue between law enforcement and the psychic. Or we may see a member of law enforcement on their own reach out. Yes. So not not like an official letter from the police chief saying, Madam Bell, please help us find uh, the notorious uh, 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 timpani drum thief. Yeah, the timpani drum thief was notorious – Mm-hmm. Uh, up, up at Forsyth Central <laughs> High School. I remember him. We were originally, uh, when we started this podcast years and years ago, we were originally just going to make it about that case. Yeah, I know. That was going to be the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was going to be called Drum Disappeared. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> could you could you say the title again? And Paul, could you could you throw in that uh, theme music we, we used for our original demo, which I think is just a timpani drum? This week on Drum Disappeared. <laughs> Oh, 
What a surefire hit, right? Yeah, Paul? I know. I feel like we really missed the boat there. We need to. We need to keep working on that show. We missed the beat. Oh, my we friends. did. We oh. did. But no, true story. These things happen. Maybe not as much as we would like to believe, but it's startling that they happen at all. And there are multiple examples of this in the real world. So let's go with the category that you proposed first, Matt, which is an example of psychics contacting the police. Absolutely. And we'll do that right after a word from our sponsor. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In July 1881, a man walked into a train station, pulled out a gun, and shot the President of the United States. James Garfield's assassination horrified the American people, and they wanted his killer, Charles Guiteau, punished. But Guiteau, many experts believed, was insane. What had seemed like a black and white case was now much grayer. Could the justice system truly deliver justice in a situation like this? Guiteau's trial was extraordinary, but not unique. Important trials have always raised questions and made us reflect on the world we live in. I'm Mira Hayward, and I'm exploring the stories of these trials in my new podcast, History on Trial. Every episode will cover a different trial from American history and reveal how the legal battles of the past have shaped our present. Listen and subscribe to History on Trial, now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's set the scene. It's the 1st of May, 2001, and a Washington, D.C. intern named Chandra Levy goes missing. Psychics from around the world, not just in the United States, call and they provide tips from realizations they've seen, revelations they've experienced, dreams or visions that they have had, and they Many of them say that uh, Levy is dead, that one way or another she has died and many of their tips were suggestions for where to search for her body. Some of these were 
vague and some of them were a little more specific. And that's interesting because typically what we find in these cases is that psychic detectives are generally going to be kind of vague mm -hmm. because they're working off what they feel are intuitive uh, intuitive sensations. Right? Yeah. So one prediction was that her body would be found in the basement of a Smithsonian storage building. Kind so, of specific. Yeah, really specific. Um, then another one would be just somewhere in the Potomac River. Mm, somewhere in the Nevada desert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get to an entire river or an entire desert, it's right. not really a prediction. It's, you know, like you said, a feeling that they may have had or a vision. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to to narrow any of that down. And each of, each of these tips really didn't lead anywhere for the investigators. Right. They were all dead ends. And, of course, the people who are making these predictions – aren't saying, you know, they're not holding the information hostage. It's very important. They're not saying they're buried somewhere in the Nevada desert. I know where. Buy my book or pay me the uh, ransom fee if there is one or something mm -hmm. like that. It's not financially related in that way. A little more than a year after her disappearance, Levy's body was discovered by a man walking his dog in a remote section of not the Smithsonian – not the Potomac, not the Nevada desert, but – In Rock Creek Park, which is in northwest D.C. So out of all of the people from around the world who called in, they were all wrong. So far as we know, according to the police department, according to the media sources we could find. Mm -hmm. And we have other examples. Yes. Elizabeth Smart is another person who disappeared this time in June of 2002 – and uh, in this case, police received about 9,000 tips from psychics. And the Salt Lake City Police Chief, uh, Lieutenant Chris Burbank, he said that responding to all of these, you know, all this advice, it's unsolicited advice, it's just sure. sent to them. Mm -hmm. um, it ate up so many hours of police work and the family of Elizabeth Smart maintains that they received zero significant assistance from psychics. Which it, is, yeah. is sad that there are that many people trying to help, but no dice. And there's a strange thing that occurs here too because we could say maybe the police department does not want to officially acknowledge that their lead came from some inexplicable phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it's tougher to say that the family would – also participate in some kind of cover-up because they have no official institution binding them. They are free mm. to say what they wish. Mm -hmm. So in both of those cases, it appears that, again, officially, none of these people were able to help in a meaningful way. And furthermore, it appears they were harming the investigation with the best of intentions because they were eating up hours that police could have spent chasing other leads. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we have to realize is in these examples and the other examples we're exploring, it's not as if the police got a phone call from a psychic and said, okay, whoop-de-doo, I'll get right on that. Let me uh, dial you up by a crystal from a crystal ball. Even if they did think it was a load of bunk, they at least compiled it, you know, gave, mm -hmm. gave it um, – gave it consideration, probably not as a credible source, but 
they want to have a record because if you if of for instance if of those 9000 calls in a case like this even 1500 or 1000 of them said hey there's this abandoned drugstore hmm. on on some city street 4th and 8th then you can you can be damn well sure they're going to send somebody to fourth and eighth. Absolutely, just because the same place is being reported so often. We also found that some psychics attain a degree of fame, or maybe notoriety is a better word, by repeatedly attempting to assist law enforcement or appearing to assist law enforcement. Yes, one of the most famous examples of uh, this kind of thing is the late Sylvia Celeste Brown. She was once known as America's most controversial psychic, which is, you know, a moniker that makes sense. Yeah, that came from a writer working with The Guardian. Mm. So that was a British paper's perspective. Yeah, she had all kinds of television appearances. Yeah, she was on Larry King Live. She was on Montel Williams. Uh, she had been a repeat guest on Coast to Coast AM, mm-hmm. which is one of has always been one of my favorite AM radio shows. Additionally, yes, we must say fare thee well to Art Bell, who recently passed away and was a longtime host of Coast to Coast AM. You are missed. Boy, I brought the mood down there. But she she appeared on a lot of shows. Yes, she did. Let's go through some of the cases that she, let's say, worked on. Yeah. Uh, in 1999, she said that the six-year-old Opal Joe Jennings, who had disappeared a month earlier, had been forced into slavery in Japan. And later that year, a local man was convicted of kidnapping and murdering Jennings in uh, – that's – not at all what uh, she had alluded to. And then in 2003, an autopsy of Jennings' remains found that she had died within hours of her abduction. So, so no Japan, mm-hmm. no uh, human trafficking, a local criminal, and uh, she died within hours. Yeah. In 2002, Brown claimed to have realizations – psychic realizations, that is, about the fate of someone named Holly Crewson who disappeared in 1995. Crewson, Brown claimed, was working as an exotic dancer at a Hollywood nightclub. However, in 2006, dental records were used to identify a body found in 1996 in San Diego as that of Holly Crewson. So in one case, uh, she claims that someone is alive and they're enslaved in a foreign country They are dead and they died relatively close to where they were kidnapped. Uh, In the other case, she claims that someone is alive when they've been dead for quite a while. Yep, and there's more. And there is more. In the year 2000, a woman named Linda McClelland disappeared. And then in two years later in 2002, Brown claimed – Uh, that she had been taken by a man with the initials MJ and was alive somewhere in Orlando, Florida. And uh, she was going to be found soon. That's what what she said. And then in 2003, McClellan's son, David Rapaski, who had been present at Brown's reading, was convicted of murdering McClellan. And her remains were found just really close to her home in Pennsylvania. Mm. Again, just so far off the mark here. Right, and this is 2002, right? Yeah. So it's the same year as the Cruz example. Mm-hmm. 
There was another person who disappeared in 2000. That was a 19-year-old named Ryan Catcher. And Brown in 2004 claimed that Catcher had been murdered and his body would be found in a metal shaft. Uh, In 2006, two years later, his body was found in his truck at the bottom of a pond. And the autopsy indicated he had died due to drowning. Now, that one is – that is the closest that I think she came. Right. And it may sound as if we are cherry-picking to find unsuccessful cases. Mm -hmm. That's something that a lot of supporters of this practice will will argue, right? Yes. Uh, We are pulling these from admittedly a skeptical source called the Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah. So they mapped several – studies of her work over a couple of years. In 2010, they published a three-year study that was uh, written by Ryan Schaefer and Agatha Jadwiskaus that examined Brown's predictions about missing persons and murder cases. So this is over the span of three years, right? Despite Brown's repeated claims to be more than 85% correct, this study reported that, quote, Brown has not even been mostly correct in a single case. They compared the psychic's televised statements about 115 cases with newspaper reports and said that in the 25 cases where the actual outcome was known, Mm -hmm. wherein experts found the body or found the person or they found the method of death, et cetera, that in those 25 cases, Brown was completely wrong in every single one. And in the rest, they said where the final outcome was unknown, they couldn't substantiate their case, her case. They couldn't say whether she was right or wrong because – Not uh, enough information. Right. Other than her belief that you know she was, she was legitimately receiving signals from some other source. And then they did a follow-up study in 2013. Yes, and this one, it looked at some of the more recent predictions by Brown as well as the predictions that had earlier been classified as undetermined because there were, you know, there wasn't enough information Um, because a lot of those were now largely resolved. And according to Schaefer, Brown was mostly or completely wrong in 33 cases and mostly accurate in none. And to this day, uh, supporters of Brown will – will typically say that this record looks bad because people were, again, only picking out unsuccessful cases. The folks at the Skeptical Inquirer will argue that they gave a comprehensive look at all possible instances where Brown would have been correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, People also say, well, maybe the police department is not telling the whole truth, which unfortunately is a not uncommon occurrence in the U.S., nowadays and in the past. Let's look at an example of police contacting a psychic of the much uh, less common, dare I say, much more fascinating uh, category that we mentioned. Yeah, and I think this category is born from desperation from a police department or law enforcement agency. At least it is in this first example. Mm -hmm. So in 1980, the Atlanta Police Department contacted a self-proclaimed psychic named Dorothy Allison. And they were contacting her to assist with finding a serial killer that they could not locate. Um, And this is according to the Washington Post from 1980. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So at the time, Dorothy was working on – or she had just written this book and she was on a book tour. It was called A Psychic Story and she had recently gone on uh, – what is it? The Phil Donahue Show, which was huge at the time, one of those talk shows. And after this appearance, apparently according to this article and according to City Hall of Atlanta – the citizens, uh, numerous citizens were just flooding their phone networks with people saying, you need to talk to Dorothy Allison. She's going to help you out. Mm -hmm. So this is in the midst of the Atlanta child murders, which occurred from 1979 to 81. That's And at this point within the Atlanta child murders where there were 30 plus victims, uh, mostly children, there were already 10 young black children who had disappeared and mm. then been found murdered. And then there were four others who were actively missing. And several other ones hadn't been reported yet. Exactly. And there were no major suspects in the case at this moment. So the department itself, the police department, along with the task force that they created in the FBI, are just desperate to get any leads, anything at all. So they called her. And according to Dorothy Allison, she had worked with police in more than 100 cases, including the Patty Hearst case. Uh, the kidnapping, as well as the the John Gacy murders, the John Wayne Gacy murders. Um, she also stated within this article after speaking to people there uh, that she had helped find more than 50 missing persons through her visions. So she's claiming that over 50 people have mm -hmm. been found by her. Here's the, here's the tough thing. What's that? Even the mothers of some of these, these children who were slain, the, the victims – they were really hopeful that Dorothy might actually come in and find something that just the police investigations, the the more mundane ways of finding somebody, mm -hmm. it wasn't working. They were hopeful that Dorothy could. There's a quote here from Willie Mae Mathis, who's the mother of one of the victims, Jeffrey Mathis, and she said, I believe in Dorothy Allison. She is not raising false hopes, but I pray she'll tell me my child is still alive. And that kind of the sense that you give a victim's a victim's family member when you have a psychic coming in that there is hope or something at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. it's it's so positive and negative at the same time which is fascinating to me it's powerful i could tell that it really got to you as well in the course of your research it moved you well it did because i want to believe that dorothy was trying to help out but I know she's also trying to sell her book. She's actively trying to sell her book. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge national case. And she's putting herself in front of the camera. When she's doing this investigation, she's being driven around in a limousine. Right. For with, three days? Yes. And taking what they referred to after all the fact, mm -hmm. a wild goose chase. She named over 30 names of uh, who it possibly could be. 42, I think. Right? Yeah, it was It was closer to 42. <laughs> yeah. Um, Williams was not in there, although I believe she claims that Williams was in there. Wayne Williams is the name of the person eventually who's convicted of these crimes. Mm -hmm. um, in the end, it seems like she didn't lead them anywhere. And we were looking – because I was, I was helping with a little bit of the research for this – for the monster show and one of the things we found was that many people associated with law enforcement or APD at the time did not buy this lady's story. Yeah, they didn't want it to even happen because right. her story is that she helped all these people. She had a – was an investigator from New Jersey that would be her interpreter for other police departments mm -hmm. because she would give these vague descriptions and then this interpreter would go through and say, 
well, you know, this is what she really means. Right. And there's something oracular about that because it, it calls to mind, you know, the ways that prophets or seers of old would have a, a spiritual revelation, say at Delphi or something, mm-hmm. and then someone else would interpret that for the common people, yeah, the non-enlightened amongst us. Yeah, you're writing that line between if something like this was real, perhaps you would need something like that. But then also if it's not real, it's a helpful tool to kind of obfuscate what you're – what's going on. So now the question that I can predict is on everyone's mind is, is ah, Matt, Ben – Paul, Mission Control Decant, are you all really telling us that this is an enormous con job? Is the stuff they don't want you to know in this episode, the fact that some psychics don't want you to know they actually don't have powers? Are you going to spend this entire time poo-pooing the, the hope that families have? Not quite. Not quite. And it surprised – frankly, it surprised both of us to find this – and they all, oddly enough, come from Australia. What? Yes, yes. <laughs> down under. Down, all right. Down under. Uh, Am I saying that correctly? Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to get a letter about that. Uh, so, yes, in 2001, the body of Thomas Braun, B-R-A-U-N, was located by a Perth-based clairvoyant named Liana Adams in Western Australia. The body was in Western Australia, rather. Braun's family had been told to contact Adams. They didn't come out – they didn't come up with this idea of whole, whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Adams went to Alice Springs in the Northern Territory of Australia and apparently she took the family members directly to Thomas Braun's remains and it, it was in a, a ridge that was about 20 kilometers west of town. They couldn't immediately identify the body. But Adams, again, according to the story, mm-hmm. said, nope, that is him. And police later confirmed the remains to be his through DNA testing. That's astonishing. It's yeah. just the, the surface of that is true, right? And again, this, this psychic was based in Perth. And that's not the only case that comes to us from Australia. We'll have a couple more for you. Stay tuned after the break. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In July 1881, a man walked into a train station, pulled out a gun, and shot the President of the United States. James Garfield's assassination horrified the American people, and they wanted his killer, Charles Guiteau, punished. But Guiteau, many experts believed, was insane. What had seemed like a black and white case was now much grayer. Could the justice system truly deliver justice in a situation like this? Guiteau's trial was extraordinary, but not unique. Important trials have always raised questions and made us reflect on the world we live in. 
I'm Mira Hayward, and I'm exploring the stories of these trials in my new podcast, History on Trial. Every episode will cover a different trial from American history and reveal how the legal battles of the past have shaped our present. Listen and subscribe to History on Trial, now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So here's another one. If we jump around in time a little bit, this this one messes, I think, with geography the most. Okay. In Sydney, Australia, in 1996, the fiancé of a missing person named Paula Brown approached a psychic named Philippe Durant to ask for help. Yeah, I think it's Philip Durant. It's Philip. I'm just joking. It's, it's Philip Durant. Durant. I just so you understand how it's spelled. Philip Durant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Durant told the police the location of Paula Brown's body. Um, Durant himself did not physically go and find the body. It was spotted within two miles of where he predicted it would be found by a lorry driver who oh, came wow. across the remains. And this prompted uh, a statement that changed the game for people who are advocates of psychic detective work, it was this. Even though the body was discovered purely by chance, the speculation by a clairvoyant appears to have been uncannily accurate, which is a quote from a spokesperson from the police department there. Right. And it's, I mean, it's true. If you just pointed on a map somewhere and said, I think that's where it is, and then mm -hmm. within two kilometers, that's where the person is, that's at least I don't, the chances are very slim for that. I mean, some people would argue they're not as slim as we would think, but I feel at the very least it's a stunning coincidence. That the is true. very least. It is going to happen every once in a while, right? Sure, yeah. Just, just by odds, but it feels extra special. There was another – let's call it a near miss. This is a weird one and it's it's much more recent. In August of 2010 – an Aboriginal elder named Cheryl Carol Lagerway claimed that she had seen the location of a missing child, a child named Keisha Abrahams, in a dream, that the location of this body came to her in a dream. Police had been investigating the disappearance, and Carol Lagerway took them, took law enforcement, to a location where they did, in fact, find a dead body. However— it was a body of an adult female, not of the child. Um, 
fortunately, unfortunately. Right. So it was a another. Maybe we could call it a near miss. So, yeah, but in, but yeah. in that situation, what happened there? Could she sense uh, the the dead body somehow? I mean, that is that again is astonishing to me. Right. And if someone was being skeptical, they might say, "Well, did she know of the dead body and feel like this was the safest way to reveal it?" Maybe. You know, there there are layers to that tale. Oh yeah. So the question then becomes, has any psychic actually solved a case? Here's where it gets crazy. No. Well, uh, officially, no. Right. The official answer is almost always going to be, heck no. Even in cases where individual family members, relatives, or law enforcement professionals believe psychics did provide some sort of assistance. In fact, multiple law enforcement agencies have official statements claiming they have never uh, and are not currently and will not in the future treat psychic advice as, quote, credible information. Not even Australia. They say they do not officially accept assistance from psychics in most cases. Don't call us. We'll call you, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase. However, In Western Australia, the Western Australia police say that while they will not seek out info from psychics, they will accept info if it is offered. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to handle it. On the off chance that somebody gets lucky or actually does have some kind of powers and knows something, we'll take it. But for now, we're going to focus on police work. Let's look at some other countries. New Zealand, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom also do not officially interact with psychic or uh, the phrase they use, spiritual-based information, spiritually derived information. Although, again, there's another interesting twist. Yeah, the the United Kingdom's Metropolitan Police was a bit shady about the way they handle this thing. They're saying, quote, we do not identify people we may or may not speak with in connection with inquiries. We are not prepared to discuss this further. Just got to leave that door open. That is so sketchy. I wouldn't say it's a bit shady. (laughs) We do not identify people we may or may not speak with in connection with inquiries. We're not prepared to discuss this further. It sounds like they're not specifically referring to the question at all to psychic detectives yeah. In, in, they, that could be anything as uh, – that, that's the, a blanket statement that also covers, for instance, CIs yeah. or other inmates or something. And, you know, for some reason, that phrase, that whole phrase feels very British to me. <laughs> right. It reminds me of uh, CIA speak. You know? Yeah. It's spook speak. But the that's the thing. They're not saying yes or no. Dude, they're hiding. What they're doing with that is they're hiding their interaction with some master AI that they're working with to oh. solve crimes. That's what they're doing. Right. This is this is similar to that episode where we asked if technology would lead us to a point where we can predict the future. Yeah. The answer, by the way, if you haven't heard the episode, is um, almost – yeah, we're almost yeah, there. Yeah, we're getting close. This and, <laughs> show will probably still be on when that happens. Right? And then you think about the massive network of security cameras that exist in oh, London man. alone. Come and on, Matt. Some of this other stuff. That's what's happening, dude. That is – it is true, by the way. My co-host is correct. The United Kingdom has the highest rate of uh, CCTV cameras or surveillance cameras uh, 
in comparison to the size of population mm -hmm. in the world. Oh, yeah. Now, are, are they all linked? Uh, the official answer is no. Yes. The official answer is no. <laughs> uh, so this is, th this is fascinating because quotes like this persuade people who do believe that there's, there's some sand to the idea of psychic investigation. It, it, it seems like a smoking gun. Mm -hmm. If you believe this, you know, what about the United States? Well, the United States is overall more friendly towards psychics in this regard. Uh, way back in 1993, there was a survey of police departments from 50 of the largest cities in the U.S. And they found that a third of these departments had accepted information and predictions from psychic detectives in the past of those police departments only seven treated this information from psychics differently than they would a normal source. So that means only seven – most likely that means only seven said, hey, this person's a real crockpot on high. Let's just leave them to simmer you know, and follow up some real leads. I get what you're saying. I feel like that was a convoluted way to get there. No, I got it though. I don't want to say a crock. I'm trying to make – I'm trying to work crockpot in. Yeah, you got it, man. I don't know. Crackpot. Crockpot. <laughs> you're, you're far too kind. It also turns out that there's something counterintuitive at play here, or at least we thought it was counterintuitive. Precincts in larger cities are more likely to work with a psychic than precincts in smaller cities. I'll tell you why. Why is that? Because they have bigger media – in those large cities. There are more reasons uh, for <clears throat> the person to get on television or be in a, you know, a major news article if you're in a big city doing it. So you don't think it's a motivation of the police or law enforcement. You think it's a motivation of the person attempting to use psychic powers to investigate something. I mean, that is my opinion with capital O, but yeah, that's what I think. I never thought about that. That is a fascinating point. Still, no police department reported in this study any instances of a psychic investigator providing information that was more helpful than other information or other leads they received during the course of investigating a case. Since any information would have to be proven correct, they could only use the stuff that matched other evidence as they were building a case. However, we did find some interesting tantalizing hints of uh, instances of unofficial cooperation. Oh, yeah. I mean, despite this this whole almost universal dismissal of all this psychic stuff and psychic-based investigation, there, there really is evidence that police have at least responded to and in many cases analyzed the claims of psychics. So taking in all sources, you got to treat it as though there might be something there, right? Um, and organizations such as the FBI have even taken this information into some sort of account. Like thinking about it in some way, even if they're not treating it as if it's full on evidence. Sure. Yeah. In a book called Mind Hunter, Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit, authors John Douglas and Mark Olshaker note that a former senior investigator for the FBI said psychics may be used as, quote, a last resort as an investigative tool with caution for providing clues not directly admissible in the court of law, such as comments on the criminal's character or the location of dead bodies. That's intense. That's incredible, right? Because that is someone in the FBI saying, well, it's not our favorite thing, but occasionally, maybe, 
Yeah. You know, it's not an alien occurrence to them. They didn't yeah. immediately say that's some TV miniseries brouhaha hogwash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's John Douglas, one of the guys that created the the whole behavior analyst mm-hmm. thing, like mm-hmm. uh, the sciences behind that. He's one of the guys that did that. And just to have someone that he's quoting in his book stating something like that, that's in – Right. And then again – we see that many psychics and people who support these practices believe that police departments are successfully using these folks or successfully cooperating with these self-proclaimed psychics, but that the departments are keeping the knowledge hidden from the public in order to preserve their own credibility. Mm -hmm. So they might secretly go to some, uh, some hermit you know, in a fourth floor walk up in an apartment that doesn't want anyone to know that they are capable of finding names just yeah. by closing their eyes and holding an object yeah. that the killer or the victim had. Uh, that would be psychometry, which yeah. is a really cool <laughs> yes. power if it psychometry. exists. Uh-huh. Well, at least we now know what John Edward is doing uh, now that he's, I guess, retired. I mean, he might not be retired. Famous TV psychic. Right, who claims to help people commune with their loved ones who have passed beyond the mortal veil. He had a TV show about it. He did. He was a cold reader. Right. That that would be my personal take, to be honest with yeah. you. But, <laughs> but <laughs> that's maybe a story for another day. Today we have some conclusions we can make about this practice, which appears on surface to be very American, more so than perhaps you and I had assumed going in. What what are our positive conclusions here, Matt? Well, the biggest one I think we found is that in this type of investigation, when there's a missing persons case and there is a loved one, somebody has a loved one who has gone missing, Mm -hmm. the, the most tangible benefit of psychic involvement is hope. Because if if you can imagine, take yourself to a place where your family member or a friend of yours has gone missing and the police just can't make any progress because there's no evidence for them to go on. There are no witnesses who saw it happen. Mm-hmm. You just have zero, all of these questions and zero answers. Someone comes along and gives you hope and says, I think I can help you find this person. I think I know that they're here. That That moment of hope, I think, is the positive thing. I see. The problem is it slingshots a lot of times to what the negative thing about psychics can be, and that is dashing those hopes against rocks or whatever hard thing is nearby. How's that? Well, because the hope that's generated, it's, it's not necessarily false. It's just incorrect a lot of the times. When I say false, I mean it's not someone lying. It's just not the correct information. Or you can't prove it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there is no evidence to show that any kind of psychic powers work. There's no current evidence to show that it works. There are some interesting experiments that have been conducted. Yeah, there are, there are experimentations mm-hmm. that cannot be replicated though or they right. have yet to be replicated. And of course, fans of uh, James Randi will, will – champion at the bit to point out that nobody has won that $1 million prize for proving any paranormal activity or any psychic uh, abilities. However, 
on a softer note, mm-hmm. it is, again, inarguable that you and I and everyone we know and everyone we've ever met has experienced something inexplicable. You can call it a strange one-in-a-million coincidence. You can call it um, a, a slight glimpse at some part of the universe or the human mind that we don't understand. But whether skeptical or whether you know true believers, uh, whether you think it's all a, a cynical play for money or whether you think that not only are psychic powers real but that you have experienced an event like this, The truth of the matter is that everyone has or will experience something that they feel is inexplicable. And in many cases, the best science we have can make some educated guesses or attempts to explain things, but not all of it. Still, not all of it. That doesn't mean that these things are real. I I hate to have to pump the brakes on that one. But it does mean there's a ton of stuff that we do not understand. Yes, there's still much for us as humans, you and Ben and Paul and I, to discover about what we are, how we function, what our connection to one another is. I think that's one of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. If and Noel. Oh, yeah, and Noel. Noel, because, <laughs> you know, I can definitely feel him in here right now. Yeah. Um, he was like scratching on the mic earlier. I don't know if you could hear that, but he was scratching on the mic. I predict he will agree largely. I think we're all on the, at least us in the room, we're in the, on the same page in this regard. So a conclusion from the skeptic side would say that in most cases, these psychics are either flat out wrong or they're getting information that was available through mundane means. They've either soaked it up subconsciously or it's a coincidence or in the worst case scenarios, they're purposely being misleading. Uh, they might be using methods like the one you mentioned, Matt, cold reading, which is when you verbally and non-verbally fish for confirmation to things that you are saying, uh, you know, tells that people are displaying that they are not aware of. And then you use those to make them believe that you you have access to knowledge. Yeah, you shape whatever you're saying to how they're responding. Right. Darren Brown is a master of something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they'll also point out that the claims of psychics appear to be vague and they're often reinterpreted to retroactively fit the facts of a matter. So that would be a situation like similar to what we did in the beginning of the show. There's someone near water or it's not water or sometime before or after it has been Tuesday. I can see a number seven. Right. Sometimes the way that, that horoscopes have been written in the past where it's like you are a unique person. Sometimes you want to do things and you do them. Other times you want to do them and you don't. There will be a hardship, but you will get past it with the help of something. Mm-hmm. You're a person who enjoys some music. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not dinging anybody's spiritual belief system, what I'm specifically talking about when I'm knocking horoscopes, I'm, I'm knocking those uh, weekly mm-hmm. half a paragraph things. Yeah. And I'm knocking them because when I used to write them, I sure as heck was just pulling rabbits out of a hat. What? Yeah. Hold, hold on. Yep. Hold on. Yep. Can you say who you wrote it for or what you wrote it for? I wrote it for a student newspaper. 
Oh, that's awesome. It was great. I wanted to write features for the paper, uh, but they, <laughs> like, they told me, do they asked me, do you believe in horoscopes? What do you think about horoscopes? And I said, I don't really, I don't buy into it. And they said, cool, well, you're hired. And I said, great, for what? And they said, the horoscope column. Woo! Got a slow clap on that one. Oh, man, you, you like, you talked up Leo a lot, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, didn't, I wouldn't think it was fair. No, actually, I tried to make it somewhat inspirational or, or, or useful for people. But. Was there ever a negative, like a specific month or um, a sign that had to be negative for, like, did you cycle through that? Because it can't all be no, positive, right? No, and I was pretty open. I wouldn't have done it if I was deceiving people. I was pretty open in the column about how I didn't believe in horse. <laughs> That's awesome. They were kind of on the level of a really poorly – written version of what you would read in The Onion or Mad Magazine or something. So Last I, question. I was not purposely deceiving people <laughs> into thinking I had some sort of Got you. knowledge of the passage of the heavens. Last question. Did you have a byline and are they available somewhere? I bet you there's know, an archive. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to make t-shirts with Ben <laughs> Boland's horoscopes. <laughs> Be careful, Matt. Every so often, off air, I threaten I threaten Matt with the idea of of getting us all T shirts with his face on them. Oh, that, okay, that's for dangerous. His birthday, and we'll wear them around. So why don't you just you and I just be in a, a, a T shirt uh, armistice? Okay, T shirts. He's accepted. So uh, so that aside, um, people on the other side will will say that there is something to this, and that it's being. Repressed, And that's the reason why it's so difficult to find provable instances of psychic detectives solving crimes. That's why they would argue it's also impossible to find uh, a single person who has been repeatedly, consistently doing these things. Yeah. And at this point, we want to hear what you think. Do you know of a case where – a psychic person has inexplicably or inarguably solved a crime or a missing person's case because we found things that sound tantalizing, but we haven't found a home run. We haven't found anything that conclusively proves these people are out there. Yeah, the biggest the, – the most successful version of this would be finding a culprit, I think. Like actually going and pointing at someone and saying that person did it. Right. And in serial killer cases, mm. there are people who are not only attempting to recover a body but attempting to find an active killer. And we also want to know if you think this is all a con job or, you know, do you think these people are exploiting the hopes of folks who have already undergone a tremendously traumatic event and – do you think this practice will continue? Yeah, we, we want to hear what you think about this because it, you know, we've got our opinions. Mm -hmm. We let some of them out today, but we want to hear yours. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter where we're Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Mm -hmm. If you want to call us, you can call our number. It is 1-833-STD. W-Y-T-K. That's stuff they don't want you to know mm. in acronym form. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 24-7. Uh, 
666 days out of the year. You can call us directly and leave a message. Let us know uh, your take on this. Let us know your suggestions for future topics. Let us know the strange secrets that you believe your fellow listeners either want to hear or need to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'd be open to talking to an actual – to a psychic detective. Oh, absolutely. You know, I would want to see I would want to see their take. Um because I, I read some stuff, uh f- accounts from several other people claiming to be psychic detectives working currently. And one guy was very candid. He said uh he said that he had a success rate about eighteen to twenty percent. Mm. And he I mean he said I have eighteen to twenty percent success rate and I'm being honest. Wow. And that, that was that was intriguing. So stay tuned and perhaps we will have a psychic detective on in the future to tell us about their experiences. In the meantime, as Matt said, uh, we would love to hear from you. We would also love to hear your firsthand experiences with things that even if you don't believe in psychic powers, things you find really difficult to explain. Yeah, any story about mm. that. Yes. So let us know. You can also jump on our community page. Here's where it gets crazy on Facebook to chat with Matt, Noel, myself, and your fellow listeners, most importantly. Uh, That's where you can see us pop up in some threads. It's where we also look for a lot of topic suggestions for future episodes. In the meantime... I'm going to work on getting Long Island Medium on the show. (laughs) Come on, man. Teresa Caputo... Oh, man. All right. Will Matt succeed in uh, – Matt- <laughs> Do you know Teresa Caputo? Get her on the show. Have her call one eight three three stdwitk Leave her – leave a message, hopefully a cell phone number. We'll get back to her. She she already knows that we're doing this. And – oh, God. Just just is, cut all this. No, no, no. <laughs> just it's cut in, all is this. Is this revenge? Are- <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Caputo is coming on the show. All right, Matt. I'm Matt just gonna, please just cut off. No, this. we're keeping it. Matt, is is this? Are you and Noel taking revenge on me for the uh, PizzaGate comments in previous episodes? <laughs> yeah, all right. That's exactly what this well, is about. We're square now. Will we remain so? Will we still remain uh, close as a coworker's best of friends, or is this the end? <laughs> I, it's hopefully not a real cliffhanger. Regardless of whether the and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.